منو زوجك؟ بالحالك برا؟ Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting. I'm your host, Phil Gursky, president of Borealis. With this podcast, I'm continuing my review of the Netflix series Caliphate, which is a Swedish production about Islamic State and a possible terrorist attack in Sweden, as well as efforts by SEPO, which is the Swedish security service, to both foil the attack and basically protect Sweden from its enemies. So this is episode number six, so we've learned a lot about a couple of storylines. There's Pervin and Hussam, who are Swedes who are fighting with ISIS. Pervin, of course, uh, wants to leave. She's been in touch with Fatima, who is a SEPO officer, trying to get her the hell out of Dodge. Learn more about their relationship. We're also learning about Fatima, who is the Swedish officer who was on suspension because they found pot in her blood. We'll learn more about her. And of course, one of the main lines is the recruitment of several Swedish girls, Muslim girls, to go join Islamic State in uh, Syria. And so, a couple themes I want to pick up on uh, in this particular episode review. A reminder that I'm trying to look at this series from the perspective of somebody who used to work for the security service, not the Swedish one, albeit the Canadian one, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service or CSIS, to see how much I think is accurate about this particular episode and what liberties, if any, the producers and the creators are taking with the truth and with what is realistic or not when it comes to security services and groups like Islamic State. Yeah. Okay, sisters. I'm leaving you here. Well, you're not coming. I'll join you in a few days. Sula, take care of Leisha. So the storyline so far, the most of the episode six deals with the efforts, as it turns out, successful of Sule and her friend Karima to get out of Stockholm, to get out of Sweden, to go join Islamic State. They, in fact, leave Sweden. And we'll talk a little bit about that, about what happens and, and how they're duped. They get tickets from Ibe, who's a recruiter. They go to Frankfurt. They go from Frankfurt to uh, Ankara. And they basically get in a car and are going down the road to Gaziantep, which is a border town, which was used a lot by Western foreign fighters, as we call them, to, to try and join ISIS. We're also learning a bit more about Fatima, who's running her own rogue operation against Nadir, who's her boss at Seppo, and she is convinced that Nadir, in fact, is an Islamist extremist. So that's kind of what happens, and it does end on a bit of a uh, cliffhanger, as most good dramas do. I'll get back to that at the very end of the episode. But there's uh, eight themes I want to pick up in this episode that all have to do with my with my theme, which is, is which is weighing in on how realistic this is. So do you think me too? No, don't do anything at work. Keep an eye on him today. There's an interesting insight into source handling. So Pervin is being handled by Fatima. Fatima is in Stockholm. Pervin, of course, is in Raqqa or somewhere else in Islamic State. Pervin wants to get out and Fatima is trying to help her. Pervin's in all kinds of trouble. Uh, her husband is an Islamic State fighter. She doesn't want to stay there. She doesn't speak the language, etc., etc. And she keeps calling Fatima regularly to ask her to help her to get out. And Fatima is pushing back. She wants more information on the alleged terrorist plot whereby Islamic State or ISIS has sent someone called the Traveler, Al-Musafir, to go to, to Sweden to carry out this attack. 
Fatima wants more details. She wants to know who, she wants to know where, she wants to know when, she wants to know how. And Pervin isn't having this information. She's only getting bits and bobs from Hussam, who, as I said, is her husband, a nicest fighter. But Fatima keeps pushing. And Pervin gets to the point where she says, you don't care about me. All you want is the intelligence on what's happening. I wasn't a source handler at CSIS. I have many good friends who were source handlers and source recruiters. I did participate in many source debriefings when I was with the security service, but my remarks should be seen as sort of one step removed. But I do think that this is probably very symptomatic or typical of source handling. When you work for security service, you recruit human sources to find out information for you. You recruit human sources to infiltrate terrorist cells or intelligence cells or whatever investigation you're working on. You recruit them, you ask them to find out the information and bring it back to you. And it's a, a bit of a dicey relationship, I suppose. You don't want to become best friends because that may color how you see the information coming in. And at the same time, you don't want to completely abuse or ignore the needs of these particular sources. This is probably a unique situation in that you have a source in Islamic State and a handler back in Sweden. So again, Pervin wants to get out. Fatima wants more information. So it's this delicate dance between how much can Pervin provide for me and how much can I do for her? As it turns out, Fatima is trying very much to get Pervin out of Islamic State. And as a hopeful scene at the end, which maybe shows that Pervin, in fact, will be whisked out of this terrorist group. But I think it does point to uh, the difficulty and the challenges in handling human sources, especially human sources, which live thousands of kilometers away. The second thing which is interesting is that Sule, who's the young girl who, of course, has refound her faith Islam, and she really wants to go and join Islamic State because she's been recruited by Ibbe and, and, and Gadam, which I'll get, I'll get back, to, back to those two in a minute. Sule has tricked her family into believing that she no longer is interested in becoming a devout Muslimah. So she's, uh, she's ditched the hijab, she doesn't wear it anymore, and she's convinced her parents that she's going back to basketball. And in fact, she has uh, lied to them. She's not gone back to basketball. If you recall last episode, Ibbe has provided Karima, which is Sule's friend, and Sule with tickets to get to Islamic State. So Sule is basically pulling the wool over her family's eyes to try to get them to think that everything's normal when in fact she does board a plane to go to Islamic State. I think this is probably quite, well, if not accurate, believable. Imagine that you're a young person, you're trying to join a terrorist group, you don't want your parents to know, therefore you're going to basically try to tell them things they want to hear. Of course, when they do leave, when they when they realize that they've left, the parents are very, very distraught, they've taken their passports, and that leads to an interesting chase, which leads to my third, my third theme, which is interagency cooperation. So Kale, who is Fatima's colleague at Seppo, he's been talking to uh, Suleiman, who's the father of Sule, and when he tells Kale that they've left, Kale gets right into, into motion, he contacts the airport, he contacts probably some Swedish liaison officers abroad to try to, to get these girls before they get off the plane in Frankfurt or get on the plane and, and, and go on to go on to Turkey. I find this very realistic. I certainly know in my time at CSIS that we had a lot of relationships with different intelligence agencies around the world. At CSIS, this was governed by what we call Section 17, which is part of the CSIS Act, which authorizes the service to enter into a cooperation agreement with a foreign intelligence service, whereby we can give information and receive information. Swedish cooperation with Turkey which looks pretty good in this episode. I don't know how accurate that is. The Turks can be a little bit, uh, well, I don't know, difficult to deal with sometimes. And also Turkey was very used to having Western foreign intelligence agencies liaise with them because of all the foreign fighters, because of all of the Western citizens that went to join Islamic State and all the other groups fighting in Syria and Iraq. So I'm guessing that 
the Turkish Intelligence Service, MIT, and there are other services there, would uh, be very used to getting requests for interdiction, requests for arrests. And Cali wants to make sure these girls don't get to Islamic State. He wants them arrested. So I think this is very reflective of a cooperation agreement between a Western intelligence service, SEPO, uh, and, and a Turkish service. They'll come back. This policeman, he'll find them. They'll be back. Well, no. Yes. Another thing that I found very realistic was that Gadam, who's this uh, woman recruiter who's basically in charge of the sisters to get to Islamic State, she's showing the girls, so Sule and Karima and, and Lisha, uh, who shows up at the end. This is Suleiman's younger sister, uh, Sulika's younger sister. She's going to Islamic State too. And, and Sule is, is really pissed off at this. She doesn't want her younger sister there, but they convince her to allow, allow, allow her to come. And they're shown pictures of where they're going to live in, in Iraq. Where are they going to live under Islamic State? And there's these beautiful houses with beautiful pools and courtyards and all this. And it's complete and utter bullshit. They're not living in that. They're living in hovels. They're living in apartments. They're living in these beaten up concrete dwellings. And I found this was very reflective of what I've seen in my career at CSIS. And I'll, I'll refer, and I think I've referred to this before, a famous case of a man called André Poulain, who lived up in Timmins, Ontario, northern Ontario, who went to join Islamic State was killed and they made a, a martyrdom video of what his life was like. And they showed these like, Beverly Hills boulevards in Iraq and Syria where ISIS was supposed to live and it's utter crap. So this was a very, I think, very, very good reflection of what Islamic State tries. It tries to dupe people. It tries to say, you're going to go back to God. You're going to live in an Islamic State. It's utopia. You're going to get a big house with all kinds of room and it's utter bullshit. Congratulations to the producers for mimicking and I think for following up on that. Take care of Leisha. You're going to really love Raka. But, but, but why? Huh? Why aren't you coming? I'm coming, I'm coming, I promise. I'll see you in Aldaula al-Islamiyya, okay? Shall we go? See you soon. Come. When I return a bit to Ibbe and, and, and Garam, I mean, these are these, these exploiters in, in Sweden, Ibbe the male being Garam being the female. You know, they set up these girls to go join Islamic State and they abandon them. Ibbe says, oh, I, I can't I can't go now. I have to, something to do. He, he, he leaves them at the airport. He has no intention of going into Iraq and Syria, where, if you recall before, he's been and he's actually taking part in, in, in killings in Iraq. Uh, one, so Gadam accompanies the girls all the way into Turkey and she brings them into this hut on the side of the road, makes them change into uh, abayas, so complete face, face covering and, and body covering. And then she abandons them and she takes their cell phones. And she says, I'm not going with you. I have to stay back and welcome more sisters into the house, which, again, is probably bullshit. What it goes to show was that the Islamic State ex- recruiters were merely exploitative people. They told people lies to try to get them to go and join Islamic State. They didn't care about them. They didn't. They had no concerns about their welfare. They were just basically almost like, uh, I don't know, meat salesmen or butchers. They just processed this product and they went on to the next one. I did find that to be very reflective of who these recruiters are. They only care about the group. They don't care about the individual. Pure unclean. You are no longer my wife. You are dead to me. Quickly, uh, with respect to Hussam and Pervin's relationship, Hussam's really losing it in in Raqqa. He, he he's you know he's got PTSD. He finds out that Pervin was raped by Ahmed before Pervin stabbed him. And this is way, way back a couple episodes ago. And I think Hussam then demonstrates the emotional range of a teabag. His only concern is whether or not Pervin was raped. Pervin denies it. And then finally, Hussam doesn't believe her. And he says, you know, did he take, did he take you, did he take you, did he take you? 
and he figures out that she actually was raped. And then Hussam turns to his wife and says, you are unclean. You are no longer my wife. Like, what the fuck? This is a guy whose wife was raped by an Islamic State soldier, and he abandons his wife. Says, I'm not married to you anymore. And in fact, he wants to take her to Omar, who's kind of like the local guru, and probably have her stoned to death for being an adulteress. I think this is spot on when it comes to ISIS and these terrorist groups, what they stand for, how they treat women, all that kind of stuff. They had no concern for anything beyond their perverted sense of Islam. And whenever Hussam gets nervous, he starts praying and reading the Quran. He couldn't, he can give a rat's ass of what happens to the perfect. His own wife being raped by an ISIS soldier. This is completely, uh, this is beyond the pale as far as I'm concerned. But I do think it is very reflective of the mindset of what, of what these assholes were all about. Last but not least, Fatima is still going rogue. She's placed a tracker on Nadir's car, Nadir being her boss, who she thinks is Islamist extremist. As I mentioned last time, this is completely unrealistic. You don't have rogue officers doing that. Uh, you don't have rogue officers doing their own surveillance, getting tracking devices, etc., etc. This is really right off the scale as far as I'm concerned. And again, it, it's it's dramatic. It, 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 it plays well, but it's not reflective of what a security service would do. Last thing, uh, so Kale and Suleiman, they, they get in a car with Turkish military. They go to the border of Gaziantep, which is this border post, which was used a lot by ISIS fighters, foreign fighters. They find the car that's carrying Sule and Karima and, and Lisha. They stop the car. They get they drag the girls out. They want The girls don't want to leave. The girls want to stay in the car. The, the dad and Kale drag them out. Then the driver steps on it. Lisha's still in the backseat of the car. They don't get the second daughter. And so she's crying. Everyone's crying. Lisha has gone over at the border into Syria, and the Turks say we can't go there. We have no jurisdiction there. So the very final scene is Lisha sitting in the back of a car with an Islamic State recruiter on her way to join the Islamic State. So stay tuned for episode number seven. That's it for my review of episode number six. I, again, I'm curious if you're watching the series, what you think of it. You can certainly provide me your feedback on the series or on this podcast or any podcast or blog that I write. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Borealis Saves, on LinkedIn, or on Facebook. If you like this content and want to receive it free of charge to your inbox every morning, simply go to my website, www.borealisthreatenrisk.com, hit the subscribe button, provide your email information, and you'll get a daily digest to your inbox every morning with all the content free of charge. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe.